You're listening to episode 126 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is imposter syndrome and your calling, based on Exodus 3 through 4, verse 17. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I have a background in theology and a love for travel. Having visited nine different countries and served in five congregations, I wanted to create an environment that discusses and encourages the overlap of my two favorite things, the Lord and travel. And if you have a passion for these things or wanting to learn how God is such an integral part of our daily adventures, then you've come to the right place. Today's topic is imposter syndrome and your calling. Imposter syndrome. In case you haven't heard this word, I looked it up on the lovely world of Wikipedia because we all know how great a source that is. But what I found out was that imposter syndrome is something that an individual experiences when they doubt their skills, their talents and accomplishments, and fear that they will be exposed as a fraud. In other words, it's someone who doubts their calling or their job and believes that they shouldn't be qualified for this job or they shouldn't have this role for whatever reason. I mean, I've felt that pretty much in all of my jobs. I've experienced some kind of doubt, uncertainty, and wondered am I really meant to be here? Do they feel the same way I do? And I mean, I'm only a couple years out of college, four years, five years out of college. It makes sense that I find myself doubting myself when I end up in a man manager position and I have people older than me. Will they believe me? Am I truly meant to be here? Do I have enough experience for this? I just surround myself with a lot of doubts. And I still deal with that. And so when we've been going through scripture, we've been looking for times in the Bible when God uses the word journey, at least in the ESV translation. And when I realized that this week we're going to be talking about Moses and his calling when he sees the burning bush and that he probably had a bit of imposter syndrome, at least based on the questions that he asked. I was like, okay, great. I can relate to you. And maybe you've experienced this in your travels. Maybe you've been somewhere where you just felt like you didn't, you doubted that they would accept you, that you fit in, where you felt some kind of insecurity because you have a different cultural upbringing. I think of a story when I was on the Great Wall of China, and I was walking along with some friends, and throughout our whole trip, I noticed that a lot of Asian individuals wore Crocs. And I'm walking along, and I hear the people talking next to me in this super thick accent comment on her shoes. And she's wearing Crocs. So I turned to my friend and I 
have a perception that Crocs aren't that great. Now they've come back in trend, but I I had my my middle school phase with Crocs and I'm good. Like I, I don't need the Crocs anymore. But I turned to my friend and I said, "Did you notice like a lot of these people wear Crocs?" Well, the group that just passed me stopped and turned and looked at us super funny and then we turn and look at them and that's when it dawns on me the reason I could understand their conversation was because they can understand English I just had heard the thick accent and had not processed that they were speaking English I had heard the words and still hadn't processed it and she just looks at me really weird, like rude, which it kind of was. And then we turn and we go continue on our separate ways. And I was so embarrassed. I didn't even hear her shout, they're comfortable. But my friend informed me that that is what she said. And then the, we went on our separate ways. And in that moment, did I feel like an imposter? Yes. Did I feel like a stereotypical American? Yes. There are so many countries out there that look at Americans as both a great country and as rude and abrasive, and I bet that's even more so true in today's current culture, but unfortunately I haven't gotten to travel internationally in the past two years, as many of you also have not, and when you're in a different culture, when you're in something that's outside your comfort zone, you probably stop a little bit more to realize that you are kind of an imposter, that you are doubting whether you can fit in, doubting if you can follow all of these cultural customs that are unlike your own. But sometimes when we are in a place where we say things we don't realize will hurt others or we um, make actions or gestures that we didn't realize could be offensive. Like there's so many cultures where what hand you shake with or exposing your feet or um, addressing elders is so different than American Western culture. When we mess up, when we realize we've been offensive, we just need to admit our humble mistake, apologize, and try and learn from it. Try to grasp more about their culture, study a little bit more to better fit in. But here we find Moses. And in the past several weeks, we've been going through scripture. We just finished up Genesis and we followed the storyline from Abraham down through generations to Joseph and them settling down in Egypt and being welcomed by Pharaoh in the time of a famine, getting to reside in Goshen, in Ramesses, all of the sons of Jacob, all, all 12 of them being there. And during the famine, all of the people of Egypt selling off their land and becoming slaves to Pharaoh, um, meaning that one-fifth of their land was due as kind of a stakeholder 
um, to Pharaoh and the rest of it they got to keep. So everyone was in good relations with Pharaoh because he helped them save them. But we've moved on past Pharaoh several generations, approximately 400 years that they've been in Egypt. And now Moses is born. Moses is born of the Levite family descendants. And at this time, Pharaoh is afraid of just how many of the Israelites there are. He's afraid they'll take over, they'll overpower, they'll overthrow him. So he's trying to cut them off by killing off boys that are born. And the housewives of Egypt recognize that God's very powerful, so they don't they don't inform Pharaoh when these babies are born. And eventually Moses is born and they hold on to him for a little bit, hide him as long as they can, and then they put him in a basket, send him down the river. And Pharaoh's daughter ends up finding him, adopting him, and then because he wasn't able to breastfeed at that time and because Moses' sister followed him down the river to see where he ended up. Pharaoh's daughter chooses to adopt him and then sends him to a Hebrew woman to breastfeed and raise to begin with and then takes him into the palace. So Moses' sister is like, hey, I know a lady. And essentially, Moses gets raised initially by his own mother. So he probably was taught a lot about his Hebrew upbringing, about about God, about their history and then he goes and he lives in the palace for several years and in his adult years he decides to go out and see how his Hebrew kinsmen are doing and he runs into one of Pharaoh's slave drivers beating some of the Hebrews and when no one's looking he kills the slave driver which makes Pharaoh very mad and uh, he threatens to kill Moses, so he flees. And he ends up with a priest uh, among the Midianites and ends up marrying one of his the priest's daughters. So he's living out there in the wilderness. He's become a herdsman. He is free from uh, the fact that he's a murderer. He's free from his confusing past. And out of nowhere, one day, he sees a bush that is burning. And it's on the Mount of Sinai, and the bush is not being burned up. The Lord um, sent an angel to be this fire, which, because the word the Lord and an angel was kind of used interchangeably in a lot of the early Old Testament, it's believed that this is actually Jesus in a different form. Um on earth, being a flame, not consuming the bush. And from it, it speaks, Moses, Moses, take off your sandals. The land which you are walking on is holy ground. So Moses takes off his shoes and the Lord tells him, I've heard, I've seen, and I know the affliction of Israel. And I want you to lead the people out of Egypt to the land of milk and honey, to the promised land, to to the land of the Canaanites, to the land 
that Abraham was promised and the land that Jacob left when he came here. Um, and they've been living here ever since until the Lord would call them out. Moses has this sense of imposter syndrome, and he ends up asking four questions of the Lord that reveal just how deep his doubt is. His first objection is, I'm a nobody. Why me? And he's asking this more for the people's sake. Why why would you pick me to lead them? They, they need someone to get them out of there, but why me? And he doesn't yet recognize that God created him to be a leader. The fact that he had a Hebrew upbringing, but was in Pharaoh's courts, um, he probably, Moses probably felt like an imposter in both regions. He probably felt like the Hebrews didn't recognize him as an equal and Pharaoh's courts probably saw him as something else or he recognized his Hebrew roots and he didn't personally want he questioned things especially because Pharaoh's uh, court would have worshipped different gods than his own god so he just probably felt like he didn't fit perfectly in either region and Yet the Lord told him this all would be a sign. And essentially, when they exit Egypt, they'll end up back at Mount Sinai. So the Lord created him for a purpose. And while Moses doesn't recognize it yet, the Lord intentionally created him so that he would be able to relate to both people and be able to be a witness in their exodus, their big exit. So then Moses' second objection is, what is your name? Who is sending me? He, he's almost doubting maybe who's in this bush. How do I know it's not a demon? How do I know it's not uh, some other force? Who is really sending me? And the Lord responds, I am who I am. Which, if you remember, Jacob wrestled with the Lord, and that's how he got the name Israel, which means wrestler of God. He went from deceiver to wrestler of God, and he asked Jesus to tell him, what's your name? And Jesus didn't answer. He didn't say, I am who I am, or the Lord. He just says, you have fought with God. That is your new name. And... So he doesn't outright answer it. But here, the Lord gives him this name, I am who I am, which is Yahshua. And that is what the Israelites would refer to and worship going forward is Yahshua. Now their God has a name. Then the Lord goes on to explain who he is, what his powers are. He explains that he wants Moses to say, to Pharaoh, let the Egyptians go out three days in the wilderness to worship the Lord and then come back. And that Pharaoh will object. And the only way that they'll be able to leave is when the Lord literally does a bunch of miracles to basically dismiss all of Pharaoh's gods. That's the only thing that will get Pharaoh to let the Egyptians go. In other words, I am who I am, Yahshua, is the God of miracles and of power. That is who he is. 
Moses is supposed to go up to the elders and tell them this. And the Lord says they'll listen. But then Moses' third objections, they won't believe me. They won't listen to me. Who? Why would they listen to me? And this literally contradicts what the Lord had just said, that they will listen to your voice. So the Lord gives him some miracles and signs that he can do. He can throw his staff down and it immediately turns into a snake. And Moses takes off running, clearly afraid of snakes. And then the Lord says, pick it up by its tail, which that is an act of faith. Not only does he clearly have a fear of snakes, but picking it up by its tail, what if it whips around and bites you still or snaps at you? But when he picks it up, it turns back into a snaff, a staff. The fact that it turned into a snake is very symbolic. For Israel, a snake represents Satan. We go back to the Garden of Eden where Satan was a serpent and tricked Adam and Eve. And then the Lord kicked them out of the garden. Whereas for the Egyptians, a snake is wisdom and fertility and healing. The fact that Moses could control the snake would mean very different messages to both the Israelites and to the Egyptians. Um, And then another thing, the Lord asked him to put his hand inside his cloak. When he withdrew his hand, his hand was had leprosy, which that would freak me out almost as much as, if not more, than the snake. But you can't run from that. That is literally attached to your body. And then the Lord says, put it back in your cloak. And when he took it back out, his hand was totally healed. It was just like all the other skin on his body. And then lastly, in this miracle, he couldn't actually do in the wilderness of Sinai. And that was to take some water from the Nile and throw it on the sand and it will turn into blood. Essentially foreshadowing the first big miracle that Moses would do. Moses still has another objection and he says, I'm not eloquent in speech. I have a heavy ton. Send someone else. Please send someone else. And this is where the Lord's anger is kindled, but rather than smiting him or, you know, just saying, oh, well, with this, I'll find another. The Lord gives him a helper, his older brother, Aaron, who's about three years older from his Levite family, his Hebrew uh, upbringing family. Aaron is going to greet him when he gets to Egypt and he'll serve alongside Moses and the Lord will speak through Moses and Moses will share it with Aaron and then Aaron will say it to the crowd. So in other words, the Lord establishes this kind of, they're both prophets, but the power will come through Moses and then to Aaron. So he kind of creates this sense of authority and direction and how how things are supposed to flow. And this gets me thinking about our world today. In Romans 10 verse 17, it says that faith comes from hearing the word of God. And in Matthew 28, we know we're supposed to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we travel, when we go on any journey, when we talk with any person, we're supposed to be having conversations about the Lord. We're supposed to be proclaiming God's word, what 
it says in scripture. We're supposed to be referencing it. We're supposed to be a part of who we are. It's supposed to be our calling. Our calling is to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But how many times do you say the exact same things that Moses said? I'm nobody. Lord, I'm nobody. Why would you use me? I'm nobody. What's your name? Who is actually sending me? They won't believe me. I'm, I, I won't have the right words to say. How many times do we let these imposter syndrome doubts stop us from being witnesses on this earth, from proclaiming who God is? Moses was a murderer, and God called him to lead the people of Egypt to the promised land. How many times do we let our past sins define who we are today and that say that we aren't good enough to share this message? Or do we doubt that the people will get angry at us or react in a certain way because they won't believe us? Or we're afraid that we won't say the right thing. We'll mess it up somehow. We doubt that God's capable of using us. There's so many times that we look at the mess of our world and say, I'm a nobody. I can't fix it. I'm an imposter. Yes, you're an imposter in this world. The world does not like you. And your he- heaven is your home. But God gave us a very clear task. And that is that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And if we are not speaking it, if we are not speaking the word of the Lord, then how are we to reach the lost, which is our true mission to go and make disciples of all nations? The Lord still used him. Lord still used Moses. He gave him a helper. He gave him his brother Aaron. Have you been asking the Lord for a helper? Have you been asking the Lord to overcome these fears, to speak truth into this world, to quit being stopped by so many doubts? It doesn't have to be elegant speech. It doesn't have to be some formal thing. But Proclaim who you follow, who you believe. Speak about him. Imagine, in the New Testament, Jesus references scripture. 10% of the red letters in scripture, Jesus' words, is him referring to other parts of the Bible, other parts of scripture. 10%. Imagine what a difference it would make if 10% of what you say was talking about God, was referencing scripture, was referring to the word. How would that change the people around you? How would that change who you are? How would that affect your travels? Moses ends up going, and we'll get into that next week. But 
if you feel like an imposter to this calling in your life, let's start praying about it. Let's start living it. Let's start giving it to the Lord, asking for a helper so that we can grow and quit doubting ourselves. Trust that the Lord is with us and that our call is greater than us. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, I lift up all of these travelers. I lift up their past, their their sins, and I ask for your forgiveness. And, and the same with my own. Lord, sometimes we're like Moses, and we have these exact same doubts. We feel like imposters. I'm a nobody. Is it truly you, Lord, that's sending me? They won't believe me when I tell them. I won't say the right thing. But Lord, you go with us. Lord, I ask that you surround us all with helpers, people that can encourage us in our walk, that even 10% of our language could be about you and your word. Lord, I ask that through us, people may hear your word and come to faith. Just as you said in Romans 10, verse 17. Lord, as we adventure to work, to the grocery store, on vacation, in business travel, and in everything else, help us to trust your call. In your name we pray. Amen. I have a closing thought and question, but before we get to that, I want to once again thank you for listening and encourage you to head to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you'll find other faith and travel resources, including ministry kits for your own retreats, devotions for your travels, and we have an upcoming retreat, a chance to dive into God's word among brothers and sisters in Christ. And if this sounds like something interesting to you, you can find out more on our website at christiantravelers.net forward slash punta dash kana. The date for that trip is January 14 through 17 and early bird cutoff is September 25th. So coming up very soon with registration closing in early October. So make sure that you have signed up for the trip. And if you want to support this podcast, a few different ways that you can do that. You can subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with a friend. And if you want this podcast in your inbox uh, every Wednesday, you can head to our website and sign up for our weekly newsletter. But my closing thought and question. Moses doubted his calling. He doubted that the Lord was calling him, that he was even worthy. But yet the Lord still used him. The Lord still did amazing miracles through him. He ends up leading the people out of Egypt. He ends up being the one to receive the Ten Commandments. He ends up leading the people through the wilderness for 40 years. What doubts do you have? about your calling and how are you limiting the Lord? Moses tried to say he was incapable, but the Lord gave him a helper. Moses tried to say they won't believe him, but 
The Israelites listened. Did they wander and meander and get off track time and time again? Absolutely. But the Lord kept using Moses. If we're looking externally for affirmation instead of looking to the Lord, we'll find a long list of reasons we're not qualified. But if we look to the Lord, we're, we're reminded that we are children of God, that our identity comes from him, and that our sole purpose on this earth is for his kingdom, to witness and share the word. And sometimes we stack a lot of other responsibilities on that, but it's not that complicated. So I want you to get the thought out of your head, write it down on paper, share it with a friend, shoot me a message. What things make you feel like you're an imposter to your own calling? And how are you limiting the Lord? And then as you reflect upon that, take a moment to ask the Lord to change it and reveal his power and his authority and your purpose. Get that down on paper, share it with a friend, and shoot me a message because I know that the Lord will do amazing miracles through you. Thank you so much for listening today. And until next time, safe travels and God bless.